welcome back to We Love Lucy. I'm Allison Werma. I'm Corinne Eckhart. And I'm Molly Lyons. How's everyone doing today? I'm great. We've got a very special guest here. Yes! Miss Taylor Barrett in the house. Hi! Welcome, Taylor. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what a beautiful reception. <laughs> Please hold for applause. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Hey, Tay, who are you? What do you do? Hey, thanks for asking. Okay, so I'm a filmmaker, and I write, direct, act, and edit, and I recently released a six-episode limited series called Work in Progress, which is available on here.tv and Amazon and shortly Hulu, and it's about a young woman who's trying to figure out her work-life balance, and she pursues documentary filmmaking in the search of understanding how we all mine meaning from our work. Who is the first woman you remember seeing on television? Wow. I mean, it can't possibly be literally the first woman I laid eyes on on TV, but I think of Alex Mack. Oh, yes. I loved her. She was so science fiction savvy. She turned into a puddle of like silvery goo whenever she wanted. <laughs> Seems like a really fun exit strategy. <laughs> Um, she had a friend, this guy, and he was like, he had a skateboard, I think. Yeah. I, just, I thought that was like a cool sidekick. Um, yeah, she was, she had a lot of power in that show, and I really liked her a lot. She was also kind of a tomboy, a little rough, you know? And I also was a bit of a tomboy, too. Yeah. I like the idea of um, goo as an exit strategy. Like, you're just, like, at a party, and you're, like, I, instead of an Irish exit, it's just, like, an Alex Mack exit. <laughs> liquid and float away. Like, what superpower do you want to have? It's not, like, being invisible or whatever. It's, like, I want to turn into a puddle of silver. <laughs> liquid. Very useful. Like, it comes up It and- just seems really messy. But I respect it. She made it work for her. She sure did. I would love to pull an Alex Mack uh, many times if I could. Great. That's the first time we've ever heard that as an answer, and I really like it. Are you kidding me? Not everyone remembers Alex Mack so vividly. (laughs) So thank you for that gift. Um, She's an icon of the 90s. True. An an icon of overalls and just looks in general. Mm. What shows or characters are most in line with your comedic sensibility? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let's see. I really admire women who write work and also appear in it because that's something I do and I can't stop doing, even though I've tried. So I really love Fleabag. Mm-hmm. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is such an inspiration. I love Killing Eve, too. Yeah. I just think that show is so genius. Lena Dunham, when I first got started making films and movies like years ago, yeah, I was totally inspired by what she's been able to accomplish. Other people I think, brilliant, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, yeah, so those are kind of my comedic inspirations. I would think of Maria Bamford for you too. Oh, of course. I mean, I, you know, I can list five, but then there's like five million. I love Maria Bamford. She's so weird. I identify as pretty weird. So I really like her. Yeah. She's all about vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I am trying to practice radical vulnerability in my work as well. Yeah. (laughs) Good answer. That's such a good answer. All right. So let's get down to brass tacks about Lucy. (laughs) 
<laughs> what is, is your hard hitting question? What is your relationship to the television show I Love Lucy? Had you seen it before? How often? When? What are your imp- what were your impressions the first time you saw it? Like hit us. I grew up watching this show. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember whenever I was sick in elementary school, which was, I guess, often, I'm told now. I didn't realize it at the time, but I'm told I was sick a lot as a child. A weak constitution. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I had the Victorian vapors a lot as a kid. (laughs) So anytime I was home, I would watch reruns and I would watch I Love Lucy. So the episode you have me watch for today's podcast, I remember seeing <gasps> when I was a kid. That's so exciting. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved it. I felt right at home watching Lucy and re-watching that episode for this podcast. I was like transported back to that. It was so nostalgic. And would you say, are you a Fred, Lucy, Ethel, or Ricky? Lucy. <laughs> Why? I just got to be honest about that. I'm, Yeah. I mean, I pattern a lot of my comedy off of characters like Lucy. Like, when I was writing my show, or when I was starting to write my show, I watched a lot of it because I really love her sense of farce. And so I wanted to kind of refresh my palette. Um, And so I think I take a lot of inspiration uh, from Lucille Ball. Like, I love her sense of play. I love her physical comedy. I love the farcical elements, the deception, the disguises, uh, these like contrived coincidences. Um, It's just so fun. And a lot of shows that I still hold dear kind of like uh, expand upon that pattern. Like Seinfeld is another one of my favorite, favorite shows. And And Seinfeld is most extraordinary when it's like most farcical, I think. And we, we have all of these tangled threads that get, like, uh, you know, fixed by the end of the episode. How would you say women are being depicted today on, this, on screen? And how different do you think it is from Lucy's time, if at all? <laughs> well, Lucy was made in the 50s. So her show is actually extraordinary in how much agency it gives women. It's baffling, really. But if we fast forward to now there's been a lot of progress amazingly like just in the past 10 years like the boom this golden age of television it's allowing women to express themselves so much more in the full breadth of humanity happiness sadness flaws um it's really exciting i think to be in this space right now although you know having said that there's still so much room for uh for change to to include characters, female characters with more agency. Um, but I'm impressed. I'm really impressed with women who are rising up right now and making their own work. I also love Lena Waithe yeah. and um, Frankie Shaw with Smilf. Mm-hmm. I didn't mention earlier, but I adore Jill Soloway and what she's doing with uh, Transparent and I Love Dick. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel <gasps> is a great show. Yes. Like, you know... We can always do better, and we certainly have so much room for improvement. But, like, it's really exciting time to be a woman in the arts, in television specifically. Hard agree. Close yeah. read. Yeah. <laughs> what do you wish you saw more of in terms of women on TV or less of? I want women to stop being written as sidekicks, as objects, as um, peripheral characters. I want them to be pushed to the center. And I think that 
that that's happening, like the, that revolution is happening. And a lot of women are leading that charge, like Jill Soloway and Lena Waithe. Um, and I, uh, I want to continue. I want to like con- do the work that allows women to regain their power in terms of cinema and status. It makes me think of when people ask Ruth Bader Ginsburg, like, what, what do you want in terms of like, what number would be enough to have balance, to restore balance for on the Supreme Court? And she's like, had like, how many women would you need to have on the court? And she's like, nine. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, how much more women-centered comment, content do we need? Yeah. It's like, oh, we need all of it. <laughs> like, if all of it were women-centered, that'd be fine. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of, some people would make that argument now. I have no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> like, there have been hundreds upon hundreds of years, like, you're, whatever. I mean, forever, really, has been dominated by men's voices. And we have so much content. Like, there's, you know, an, over, an, an abundance. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind if ladies just took the mic for a while yes. and ran with it. <laughs> Take the mic. I love that. Yeah. Literally taking the mic as we <laughs> say that. <laughs> My pop on this podcast mic. jokes. <laughs> um, what would be your modern pitch for an I Love Lucy reboot? Well, um, you know, I just, I, I, I'm gay. And, like, a lot of the work I make really celebrates queer culture. So let's put a queer spin on this. Why not maybe like a lesbian couple and a gay guy couple? And then, yeah, and then it's I Love Lucy, but just everyone's gay. I I mean, sometimes it feels like that's actually what's happening. Yeah. (laughs) Like the real love stories are between Fred and Ricky and Lucy and Ethel. Yeah, yeah, I I totally get that. And like, I really appreciate that that about the show, like the celebration of female friendship. For Um, sure. But let's just push it, you know? (laughs) Let's just like make it romance. And who do you think, we sometimes talk about where we think Lucy's legacy has popped up amongst performers and content that's being made today. Are there any people you think of as being like, oh, that's totally a modern Lucy or? It's really hard to isolate anyone in particular knowing that I Love Lucy has honestly influenced every single comic, male or female, since it aired. I think I was reading that it was like the most successful television show in America for four of its six seasons. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. That's absolutely... The only other shows that have had that level of success were the Andy Griffith show and then Seinfeld. So like, oh my God. Like, she touched everyone. Everybody, like, years later, decades later, people have a connection to that character. So I, I think her legacy lives on in modern comedy in, like, every way possible. Let's get into the episode. Yes. This is such a good episode. I'm so excited. This is it's a really so great good. one. Yeah. Is this a classic? Yeah. This is a good episode to watch now mm-hmm. when the Me Too movement is happening and this conversation about um, equal rights. Yeah. I mean, when is it not a good time, actually? It's always an important oh, yeah. time to be having this conversation, and we'll be having it for the rest of time. Right. Yeah. It's crazy how many things get said in this episode that I was like, you can still say that today. You can literally yeah. still say we're having the same problems, which is depressing, but also makes this episode just so relevant still. There are men on Twitter who still have the same arguments about equal rights that Fred and Ricky had. Yeah. It's infuriating. So this episode, Equal Rights, aired October 26th, 1953. And the 
the storyline, Lucy and Ethel demand to be treated as if they were men. So Ricky and Fred do just that. Kind of. Kind of. I mean, like, if they're really, really shitty to all men. Yeah. (laughs) Like, if they're not nice to any men, then sure. Yeah. I mean, Ricky at one point hands the cigarettes to Fred, and then neither of them hand them to Lucy or Ethel. That's a different treatment. Yeah. Yeah. They're just being assholes. (laughs) Yeah. Calling a spade a spade. (laughs) The logic of Ricky and Fred is totally backwards. Like, it's, it's actually pretty sad that that's their response to um, a valid concern that Lucy raises and then they become emotionally immature and try to punish her essentially for broaching the subject but I mean it's comedy so you need to have conflict and and like you know I get it but it's a bummer <laughs> the, the top of the episode it, this, it starts with them like getting ready to go out to dinner yeah yeah and mm-hmm. Lucy has made them all wait which she always does to be fair that's rude that is rude it is for a woman or a man that is rude also how quickly did nail polish dry back then that she was just like oh I'm just gonna paint them and let them dry really fast like I will smudge my nails within like five hours after I get them done <laughs> still to this day the to technology day. has not advanced it's not changed at all so and then she was being rude where she's she like, was being rude. We to have Ricky. to sit and wait while my nails dry, and also I'm going to like not let you tell the story because you're yeah, bad at it. Fair. She was being nasty. Ricky was trying to tell a story, and she kept kept interrupting to embellish the story or make it more truthful. She thought he was doing a bad job. My mom does that all the time to my dad. <laughs> it's nasty. It's, that's also emotionally immature. But uh, that I thought that scene was like a great portrayal of a married couple's dynamic. Not that I know what that's like, or but I, I mean I. Because I'm not married, but, <laughs> but well, you've seen other married I'm people. Not married people. <laughs> <laughs> you have in the wild. <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> the truth is out there. Um, I well, will say the beginning did kind of remind me of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel a little bit. Oh, you know, yeah. where it's like because mm. Lucy was kind of being basically being like, "I can tell the story better than you." Mm-hmm. Kind of how in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel she would tell the jokes uh, better mm-hmm. than her husband. Mm-hmm. Did anyone else think it was weird that, like, the dynamic of the four of them sitting around was, like, very much like Fred as a court jester, where it's like, tell us a story, Fred. And oh, yeah. Like, Entertain us, Fred. Like, oh, you can go. Dance, monkey, dance. And I was like, this is a weird friend interaction. And then Fred has no more stories that they haven't heard. Right. <laughs> that was so weird. Like, as a writer, when I'm writing a scene, I often have to think of those little exchanges before the meat of the scene happens. Right. Like kind of little incidental lines that mm-hmm. set the stage for the meat of the scene. And I'm always kind of like scratching my head. Like, what do I have them talk about? What underlines the story, but isn't on the nose? What's funny, but light, you know? And I was like, that's just such a weird choice. Yeah. To have Fred be like the court jester and for and then for them to be like, we've all heard those stories. <laughs> it was like, wow, nobody's treating each other great. No, no. In this quadrant. That's true. Yeah. Can't be choosers. Why bring it up if you're just going to have every other character shoot it down? They just wanted random. Yeah. They wanted to neg him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so then Ricky was like, "Uh, uh," Lucy's like, I want steak. And he's like, no, we're going to get spaghetti. And then that's when they have that full on like conflict about 
when it's right, and I want to be the man of the house, and Cuba, all the guys Cuba. have the power. I feel like it was a weird way to get into the fight. Like, there are yeah. other ways it could have been, like, I'm the man of the house versus, like, I'm the man of the house, I get to pick where we eat. Like, right. it just felt like a weird... Immature. Yeah, very mature way. And also, can't you find a place with both steak and spaghetti? They Chris, did. They do. <laughs> Up until the point where he went to in Cuba, the man is the master. Like, actually, it was completely Team Ricky, where he was like, "Hold on a second, you just march right in here. You've been super rude, and then you don't even have a conversation about where we're gonna go eat dinner. Like, that's not cool." So, but then when he does the exact same thing and tries to just like instead of compromising, I mean, like, I don't know a lot about being married, but again, I've seen them. Um, <laughs> I've heard compromise is good, <laughs> and they didn't even try. They didn't even like dip their toes into the compromising waters. Right, a successful relationship depends upon a balance of power and like a mutual respect and neither neither of them were showing that to one another no but then it escalated <laughs> so quickly so the yes sir yes sir si sí, senor <laughs> is just brilliant <laughs> yes i mean it was very it's very funny to me because when she comes back Ethel's like where were you <laughs> she was just taking it and I was like what's going on and then she walks away and then she comes back and she's like wait a minute I'm letting you get away with this right. and then she's like I forgot for a second that I am a woman with choice right that was a really funny moment. I really liked that delayed reaction because I don't know, as an audience member, it was like kind of brutal watching Ricky bury her. Yeah. Like it felt really awful. Uncomfortable. She, yeah, it was uncomfortable. And then she skulked away to get her jacket. And then like, yeah, she grew her power in that like 10 paces it took. <laughs> it was a sweet moment and Ethel cheered her on. Yeah. <laughs> I think she gave her an girl. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, I, I thought, I think it's also interesting too that like Ethel is supporting her but like also wasn't gonna interrupt because like there's nothing more uncomfortable than like a couple fighting in front of you you know what i mean and then they go out to dinner so lucy wants equal rights and fred says you've got the vote you wear pants you drive buses you wrestle you go every place you please except the steam room in the ymca please fred no one wants to go to the steam room (laughs) fred loves the ymca he loves it Definitely, there is some coded information about Fred that is popping up again. Her theory is Fred may have a crush on Ricky and potentially be homosexual. Yeah. Wow. So there goes my reboot. Wow. I mean, I think it's just his club and Fred likes being among men. Oh, boys club. Because he doesn't really relate to women all the time. As you can see in this episode of him just asking what else could you possibly want <laughs> i don't know fred equality a credit card <laughs> my own bank account like <laughs> the ability to work and support myself maybe equal treatment i mean it's sad because that people from trolls on the internet like they say that stuff today like mm-hmm. the alt-right men like that they say things like that like women are so hungry they want to take over like they don't just want equal rights they want to dominate yeah. they and want to destroy men yeah right they want to supplant men yeah like they don't want equal footing they want to overpower that's that's not the case at all guys <laughs> well i think just because like it's been so, for so long the only mode that any of us know is of one being in dominance of the other mm-hmm. that they can't fathom they just think they want a reversal that we want a reversal when it's like 
okay, so you're acknowledging that it's a better situation that you have and you don't want us to have it instead of saying that there's, there's a different option where we're like all in the same playing field. Yeah, they think of being equal as taking something away from them right. versus just giving another party more or whatever. Right. The crazy thing is this list he has is just essentially things that women have achieved, but they're notable because women had to fight to achieve them. So if everyone had been equal, women would never have needed to wait or fight for or achieve the right to vote. People in power never want to voluntarily give that power away. Mm -hmm. So yes, every it is worth fighting for. Women had to fight for those things. And Lucy has to fight for some mutual respect in this marriage. But then it spirals out of control. (laughs) As it always does. (laughs) So the first thing that happens is the men agree to treat them like men, supposedly, or equal, or whatever. So the women hand the men their coats so they can help them, and the men just toss the coats (laughs) on the couch. Which, I don't know... This is this is brings up what I actually wanted to talk about because some of these and then they don't hold the door for them or they don't let them exit first. Some of these are I don't know what the difference is between politeness and like a gendered habit Hmm. if that makes sense. So is it because of their gender that they're allowed to enter to exit first? Is it because of their gender that they need help putting on their coats or is it just like a politeness? Well, I think during the time period, it was customary for men to assist women uh, with their coats and then allow them to leave first. Yeah. So it seemed to to me it was a gendered norm, but then it crosses over into just like gross behavior. So the logic is faulty. Yeah. Like it doesn't hold up, but comedy wise, very funny. Yeah. (laughs) Very funny. Also, like, I (laughs) agree. The gag is great. Yeah. But I think like if the idea is that like, oh, we're treating you like we treat men. Like if Ricky had Fred and two other men over to his house and they were leaving to go to dinner, don't you think the person whose house it is, they would let everybody out? Right. They're the last one in their home. Like, it just, like, it doesn't totally track for me that that's, like, actually, I mean, clearly they're making a point, but I think you're right. Like, taking gender out of it, that's not, it's not consistent. I hold doors open for people. Yeah, as do I. It's just, like... But I also think there is the reverse of... At some point in my life, I realized that people hold doors open for me more than... It, it's not only that. It's like, if I, they see me carrying a box, they ask me if I need help. Very polite. Could be because I'm a girl. Well, and I... Was, also because I'm short. I was going to say, I think there's also a, a sizest element to it. How tall are you? I'm 5'1". Oh, yeah. <laughs> she can't handle a door on She's own. delicate. So, so polite and tiny. I'm 5'3". So, so you get, get it, too. It. I mean, we're just both of you. Yeah, we are Amazons. <laughs> Tall women, you. We can carry boxes and open doors. <laughs> For me, though, that scene did make me reflect upon the privileges that I'm afforded being a woman. Totally. And being a small woman. And, and the ways in which I accept that. You know, I mean, like... It, like, I, too, want equal rights. I want to be treated with fairness and mutual respect. But if somebody offers me the seat on a train and I'm very tired and I just want grocery shopping, maybe I will accept it. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but, you know, but I recognize that. Yeah. 
Yeah. You, this reminds me of an episode of 30 Rock, where I guess people at the Girly Show are saying that Tracy Jordan is getting preferential treatment. And so Liz is like, okay, we're going to treat everyone the same. And then Tracy's like, okay, then we're not going to treat you differently as a woman. Like you're going to be treated just like one of the guys. And there's this treat, this scene where they have to change the water cooler <laughs> on set. And she like asks like one of the, like, you know, one of the crew guys, like, hey, can you change it? They're like, you're one of us now. So she's like struggling to change the water cooler, um, which is a really, really great gif, but also how I feel about changing the water cooler. I feel like that every time the water cooler needs to get changed yeah. at work, like that's an iconic moment for I me know. forever. <laughs> like I want to be able to do it, but also it just could get messy. But yeah, I also do want a man to change the water cooler. Sometimes. Also like I'm, I've, I've grown past changing the water cooler. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm over I that. I think oh. some tasks should be left to people best equipped to handle them yeah and for some of us that's not water cooler changing that's fair i mean there are some women who are like so strong they could do that without any problems and i would gladly say go ahead yes miss because that i will not be doing that i'm too small and too weak yes <laughs> see i can and i just don't want to <laughs> that's what i mean we're like i've grown past it like i had a job where it was all women and it was my job and i was fine doing it and I was like actually resentful when the female in the office would offer to do it. I'd be like, no, I got it. And now I'm just like, I don't want to. <laughs> no, I'm the brains. You're the brawn. Someone else is the brawn. I don't care. <laughs> Over it. Ah, you know yourself. It's all about asking for what you want and what you need. And I want to not have to ever change the water cooler again. <laughs> Putting it out into the universe. They're at dinner and Fred and Ricky leave, which is a fun little, pay- there's a payoff that comes later from that. But when they walked out, I was like, what's happening? What's from going the restaurant? on? Yeah. Well, so they go to the restaurant. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, that's weird. But they get seated at the restaurant by Xavier, who is right. like a friend of Ricky's. I don't know. Or Ricky's the guy who like immediately learns the waiter's name and is like, hey, buddy. <laughs> that might be him. Yeah. Um, and they oh. said, Yes. Yeah. He pulls out the chair and Ricky sits in the chair and Lucy sits on top of him. It was really funny. Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> I, I have to, uh, like credit their commitment like Fred and Ricky just like committed to that bit and it worked it worked for me like hats off yeah it was cute yeah I mean they're playing they're being playful nothing <laughs> malicious yet that comes yet. later <laughs> um, but just light fun just poking fun yeah not letting anyone order right so they leave the restaurant then they return uh, they order first right yes right away also um, they waiter takes their order after They've been there 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and then they smoke cigarettes and pass them only to each other and uh-huh. not to the, the ladies. I know we've discussed, discussed this before, but, like, the ordering habits of these people at restaurants where it's, like, getting steak and spaghetti with coffee. Like, who yeah. orders that? Like, <laughs> Sounds so gross to me. It sounds, like, upsetting to my stomach and my, like, just sensibility. It's a lot I'd of be food. sick. It's gross. He, Fred did get a green salad, which was like, yeah, boy, you'd be good. That was such a weird detail to add. He's like, and a green salad. Real character choice he made. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah, and then... And then after the women start smoking, they've decided to check their makeup, which they do at the table, which I strongly identify this to this because I redo my makeup in public in any situation really? all the time because i was like that's weird just go to the restroom no i do it you do that of course yes i've never known anyone to do that 
I always think people go to the restroom. I was like, people wouldn't. A woman wouldn't. I thought they were gonna go powder their noses. Like that's what I thought it was getting set up to do. I feel like I would maybe reply lips, lips, but not like a full. I like will pull out my mirror and look at my face. Really, I don't even have a compact. Courage. I'm very vain. <laughs> it reminds me. I don't even. Well, know. there are like certain. I wouldn't do it in a business meeting, for instance. But if I was just like, like at a restaurant and meeting someone and they weren't there yet, I'd like check myself. Yeah, I think that's fine. Without leaving the table, though. Right. <laughs> this reminds. Did I lose you? <laughs> <laughs> You're like too lazy to go to the bathroom, too vain not to look. Yeah, here we are. Well, <laughs> That's so true. Um, the, it reminds me, and this is like not even a joke, and I don't know what, why I'm telling you this other than it's just true. My mom, I remember, I think we were talking at some point. My mom was teaching me about like what's appropriate to do in a restaurant, um, and she was telling me about this she was once at a business dinner with my dad where they were like out with another couple who like my dad worked with one of them and the woman like during dinner took out a hairbrush and started brushing her hair at the table okay that's a line too far I will and my say. mom was like shook <laughs> she was just like never do that <laughs> just never do that and so that was like part but of but actually effort. very fun I I love it it's I wish so I was there gross. I'm like braiding my hair <laughs> just like hair falling to your, to the table it just like grows I was visiting my parents last week and I went out to dinner with my mom and dad and after dinner while we were still seated just letting you know settling my dad flosses his teeth <laughs> I was shook. And I looked at him and I said, do you think that's acceptable? And he said yes. <laughs> Wait, did he bring floss to the restaurant? Was it, was it floss or floss picks? It was full of no. floss. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. He's like, listen, I'm all about railing against social mores, like doing you, you know, don't let like who you are be watered down by societal expectations. But that was gross. (laughs) I did not condone that. You know where I have seen people floss in public is in offices Mm -hmm. after lunch. I feel like I would, uh, when I previously worked in an office, Mm -hmm. um, I would see people with like the floss picks just like. Yeah, I've seen that too. That's bathroom behavior. Yeah. So the women take out their compacts to fix their makeup and the men take out elaborate shaving Equipment. I really enjoyed this. Where was it plugged in? I don't know. <laughs> Did he ask the waiter for like a <laughs> extension cord <laughs> under the table? I was just baffled. He took it out and it worked right away. Xavier is really a fixer. He knows <laughs> how to execute a bit in like in real time. He really knows. There's a guy happened. under the table like <laughs> plugging stuff. Yeah. The crew. <laughs> just- yeah. Out of all of the little bits in the episode, that for me just didn't scintillate uh, in the way that the others did. It just seemed a little far-fetched. Like, there's a fine line whenever you do farce. Like, is it is it too broad? Mm-hmm. And for me, that bit moment was just a little too broad. For me, it was gross. Like, honestly, gross. I, if they had both been doing what Ricky was doing, like, somehow the open blade and Ugh. shaving cream in it and then, like, rinsing it in the glass, for me, that was a bridge too far. Like, that I mean, is a knife he's taking to his face. Yeah. What I appreciated is Ricky was using the modern man's shaving equipment and Fred's still, like, straight-up traditional lather. <laughs> Fred is old. Yeah. <laughs> Lest we forget, <laughs> Fred is very old. And they didn't—they didn't skimp on pointing that out. Is what I appreciated. Yeah, that he chose the blade. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Or he just prefers a closer <laughs> shave and he doesn't think that modern technology can do that. That's fair. It's true. <laughs> Fred is always talking about how much he loves a close shave. <laughs> we can tell. Um, so, and they all ordered their dinners, they have their dinners, and then at the end, um, I guess, again, Ricky's already made arrangements with Xavier. Yes. He goes over and whispers with he him. He gave him a few bills. And then they get their bills. Mm. And four different checks. There are still restaurants in LA that will not split a check <laughs> for more than three credit cards. Let That's it be true. known. That's true. But the w- women are astounded. They don't have money. <laughs> Do they they just, don't have money. They don't have money. They don't have. Don't they have checkbooks? They do. I think what happened, if I'm going to be generous about what could have happened to make this pop possible, is that these women have gotten used to going out to dinner with their husbands and never having to pay. If they were going shopping on their own, they would have brought their checkbook. Yes. But they didn't. And sometimes, you know, I pack a lighter bag. Who wants to drag all of that stuff around with you? So you don't bring your checkbook with you when you go out usually? No. Oh, okay. I mean, but I leave other things behind, like sunscreen. But, like, you can bring, like, the fact that you have a credit card. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. My, like, main things are keys, credit card, cell phone, but that's my light bag. Right. But this is, like, pre-credit cards, too. Yeah. So, like, ladies can't do stuff. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed. I think your assumption to correct that logic hole is spot on. Thank you. When... <laughs> Those are the kind of snags that trip me up as a writer when I'm like constructing an episode and I want to have some type of deception or like mistaken, you know, moment Mm -hmm. and like confusion. I'm always like, but that would never happen in real life. Right. She would always have money on her, et cetera. Right. But like to foster problems in the plot, like one, a writer must overlook some of that sometimes. So that's where my mind goes. Like, mm-hmm. how did the author, like, justify that moment to themselves? And I think probably just as you said, like, they got used to going out and being treated by their husbands. No need to bring money. Why? Exactly. One, I don't know. I just, like, also really relate to never having cash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't, don't know what that, And, like, the idea that, like, they think that not only do you have enough cash to pay for you, but you think that your friend might have enough for both of you. Like, I'm sorry, you guys just had, like, a very large meal. I don't, I mean, like, I'm lucky if I have $10 in my wallet. Yeah. Absolutely. I've had to back up out of parking structures, yes. you know, and then, like, repart, find an ATM, and then do it all again. <laughs> Dark. Yeah, I know. It's a struggle to be able to find a way to pay your way through life. So the women can't pay, and the men pay, and then they leave their wives high and dry and Xavier won't let them leave the restaurant until they pay off their debt and the way they do this is washing the dishes and this is an example of like is this the first time because this is a very common trope yes totally so is this the first time or did they you know pick it up from like radio or something or I feel like my mom always used to tell me that. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it actually happen. No. It's such a good visual gag that I can't imagine it would play that well on radio. Yeah. yeah. It's just so funny to see them with these huge stacks of dishes. The thing, I mean, like, again, if we're going to pick apart the logic of it, it's like, wait, so no one from the restaurant's still here? Like, <laughs> let's just leave these two random women in the kitchen and we won't close up shop. And like, oh, that's cool. See you later. Like, no. Having worked in a restaurant, no. <laughs> also, the kitchen looked like it was like an old, very old-timey kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> 
period kitchen. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, and why did they have to wash every single dish right. to pay off their meal? Only plates, no bowls. <laughs> no, no silverware, no nothing. But you do have to, as you said, suspend logic occasionally for you the must. humor. Yeah. yeah, you must. And, like, it, it makes for a good little scene, right? Like, these women in nice outfits wearing mm-hmm. dirty aprons, messing with dishes. So I love fish-out-of-water stories. And, like, Lucy's big on that, mm-hmm. putting herself in a weird scenario. That's why I said earlier, like, I identify as a Lucy. Because in my work, like, that's what I try to do with my character. Like, put her in a weird environment mm-hmm. um, and Lucy's the best in that yeah. yeah yeah I think it's also interesting that the, their punishment was giving them a very female-centric job which is like oh you want to come out and try and be like what well, us we're gonna, like literally put you in the kitchen <laughs> um which that's true kind of interesting yeah and this caused the girls to get into a fight Something they were getting happens. really catty with each other and they were also crying yeah very I love that <laughs> I don't think there's enough tears on the screen really like I cry but I don't see anyone on screen cry except um what's that movie oh yeah Broadcast News that movie is so great and Holly Hunter cries periodically in that film <laughs> as we all do <laughs> wait I just love that you're like noteworthy film where Holly Hunter regularly cries <laughs> It, but no, I just, I want, it is. It is. I want to make a list of movies where it's like I love the level of crying here, and here, and here. Could do more here. <laughs> I just want you know there to be a movie or a TV show where a woman cries and no one asks why are you cry. We just <laughs> let her cry. That's just who she is. <laughs> right? That's exactly. how it works for me. Why <laughs> no one ever ask? That's who she is. <laughs> I got a lot of them. Feelings. Feelings. Yeah, crying in the car. Oh my god. Crying in cars is like an LA story. That is <laughs> that is a memoir. That's a time I do not like to cry. I feel mm-hmm. very exposed. Oh, that's my favorite. I feel safest. No one can see me. I yeah. cry in my car and then I can go in my house and I don't have to. Yeah. I do my makeup in my car. I do, I do <laughs> that and I cry. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't expect anything less from you. <laughs> I, yeah, I never do my makeup at home anymore. Yeah. Do you have any boundaries about where you won't do your makeup? No. Okay, that's just I do my makeup in the car too. Yeah. Crazy. It's not safe, but yeah. <laughs> it's not safe. But then you figure it's out how to wear. You know, you figure it out. You see a little in the mirror and you see a little underneath. You can I do it don't all. know how there are more accidents in LA of like, I literally will sit at stoplights and look and it's like every girl is like doing something we have in the morning our commute time 100%. that's a lot yeah that's a lot of minutes on the road yeah, yeah. agreed vanity driven accidents how many who's to say so they're doing dishes they're crying and then they're talking about how vulnerable they are just in a restaurant that's closed by themselves with the door open and unlocked and how someone, anyone could break in and hold them up and steal their m- money that they don't have. They could just leave if no one else is there. <laughs> like, what's the worst that could happen? I mean, they might get, you know. They could also lock, lock the door. They could, also, they could also just leave and just never go to that restaurant again. True. Really delayed dine and dash. Yeah. <laughs> also, I don't think. the next day and bring money. I don't think Xavier legally is allowed to make them wash the dishes. So I don't think there's any repercussions for just leaving. But comedy requires suspension of disbelief disbelief. yeah so lucy gets the brilliant idea to pretend that the incredibly scary scenario she just laid out is actually happening to make those boys feel bad call her husband and pretend like they're being held up and that somebody gets hurt and i think they're both getting pretty hurt based on what plays out there's a lot of there's some violence 
And then a gunshot, potentially? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is not the time, first time we've seen Lucy fake... Uh, getting shot? Getting, <laughs> getting shot. Or, getting, or like a dying scene. Ironically. Or, or being no. assaulted. Yeah. This is like kind of her like thing. Her thing. Yeah. Um, though I have to say a moment I really loved was when she's like, okay, I know what we can do. We're going to do this, 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 this. And Ethel was like, promise me when you die, you leave your brain to science. <laughs> Where do these things come from? Her response was just like so uh, bland. She was like, uh, okay. Like, she was just like, yeah, that checks out. Like, I should. Um, You're right. The world needs it. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Um, And then one of my favorite things during the scene is when Ricky's freaking out on the other line and Fred really just can't be bothered. (laughs) He's probably like, good, the old ball and chain. He's like, oh, no, Ricky seems upset. Oh, no, it's okay. Uh, I guess we should go down there, yeah. Hold me, I'm scared. Um, it's the- really cruel. Like, yes. It's, it's like truthfully really cruel what she did. Like when I was little, if I faked having trouble in the pool, I got in a huge timeout. It was like a big conversation. I was never to do it again. Like mm-hmm. I was trained never to feign uh, pain. Yeah. Because um, that's emotional. It was like emotional violence in a yeah. way. Yeah. It's painful for him. But you know, it's comedy. So. <laughs> he also like left her there. So. Yeah. yeah. Revenge. Revenge is cute. <laughs> it's just like that's their love language is like a really aggressive hijinks at one another's expense. Uh, I was reading about the behind the scenes of this episode and apparently during rehearsal, Lucy tried out many different shapes and sizes and materials of bags to get that pop right. Oh, interesting. Which is so interesting. That is really interesting. I was wondering, because I tried to do that with a bag. <laughs> well, I told you I, I've seen this episode as a kid. Yeah. So I think that I might, I've tried that. It's not so easy. Yeah. So I believe that. Yeah, she must have. Yeah, she must have really worked at it for people to report on it just decades later. Though they have, I remember reading in other books about the show that they were like they paid very like close attention to detail on props um, because I think they really wanted it to resonate in the room with the live audience. So like Mm -hmm. they were like so many times apparently Ricky or Desi was like very insistent. I was like, oh no, we actually have to have like an actual fish that's this big or like whatever the prop is because like makes a difference. Yeah, do you think they had, like, for sets, like, for the scene, like, do you think they recorded it, like, side by side so the audience could see the whole exchange? I think so. Yeah. They had to have, yeah. I hope so. That would be cool. Yeah. Totally, yeah. So, uh, Lucy gets shot and she dies. Uh, and <laughs> Let's really just take that out of context. I believed it. Yeah, it's a beautiful performance. Uh, yeah, and uh, Ricky is very upset, and Fred tells him to call the police, and Ricky doesn't know how to spell police or the police's number, and also when he speaks to them, he speaks to them in Spanish, which is pretty believable. Yeah, I think that's is that his true? first language, and mm. he's upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he just naturally slip into like trying to explain it very quickly. He's upset. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also he won't let Fred have the phone for some reason and Fred knows the police's number and how to spell it and can talk in English. <laughs> you know that toxic masculinity gets getting in the way yet again. <laughs> Classic. Um, and then they scoot on down to the restaurant. They enter the unlocked door. Yeah, so many questions. They creep in. <laughs> they're being very stealthy, which is Well, they scary. think that they're going to run into the, the, bandits. the bandits. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever, like, 
entered a house that the door was open. So spooky. No. Yes. There's like a sense of danger, even though there's nothing. Like there, like the house is empty, and like, but the door was left open, and so you don't know if someone is inside or not. That was- so um, Ricky sees the girls in the kitchen unharmed. They're just doing the dishes. So he shows Fred, and they decide to make what the girls said happened actually happened. They're yeah. so cruel. So they put handkerchiefs over their faces, and they come in with their fingers in their pockets like weapons. It was and, scary looking. And, and yeah, and hold the girls up. And I mean, both of them dropped both st- full stacks of plates. So many. When anyone, whenever anyone in a scene picks up a full stack of plates, you're like, something's coming. <laughs> live to regret that decision yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like them in sections. totally it doesn't make any sense like it it, it was great though yeah. like i loved it i well, love physical comedy yeah. and like it was perfect it reminds me of when i go to the grocery store and i'm like yeah i can carry all of these into my house in oh, one yeah. trip and then it's like i have six plastic bags hanging from each arm and it's like really a bad idea and it's yeah. gonna shatter and rip and fall but it's like no i'm just gonna do one trip that's what they're doing with those mm-hmm. plates Laziness. Totally. Blows up in your face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they both drop the plates, and then the boys burst out laughing, and uh, they reveal themselves. And the girls are mad, obviously. So now they've been equally scared. Yep. Uh, but they've called the police. So the police come in and obviously mistake Ricky and Fred for the bandits. Not the first time <laughs> the police have recognized two of our group as being bandits. Sure. This is happening another time. <laughs> There's a long rap sheet, I'm convinced. Well, that's why I'm like... These characters. That's why I was like, the police must know these four by this point. They've all been in prison multiple times. <laughs> a lot of hijinks. Yeah. Not enough people talk about Lucy's crime record. <laughs> <laughs> the legal ramifications of all of these hijinks. Yes. It's real. The part that really baffled me or it just didn't land was Ricky having to explain the entire thing. <laughs> I liked that part. Because the punchline of that was like, does that make sense? Because it was, it took him so long. Right. Yeah. And also the audience had just seen it all. I feel like normally episodes fall into this trap of like, oh, this gets worked out. The police just know what's going on. You know, like they say one sentence and the police are like, got it. Cool. <laughs> And you're like, that. you would have to say more in real life, probably. But this one was like the reverse, where Ricky had to explain everything. And very quickly. And also, I don't know how he didn't mess up more. Because I think he stumbled a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) He was going fast. I also was baffled by that moment. Because when you write an episode, uh, especially if it's like 22 minutes long, like every line has to count. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand because that gag was so long and it didn't feel like a gag. It just felt expository. And yet everybody had, we knew what had happened. Like right. I didn't really understand the oh, function. I of loved that moment. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I liked it too. I think it would have been funnier if we see Ricky, like when he's upset sometimes start uh, dipping into Spanish. Yes. If he had then started going into span, like in a way that I feel like it, they, cause they always make fun of like his Spanish. Yeah. Like he goes into Spanish and then the cops are like, wait, what? Right. And then they're like, arrest them. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I feel like that would have made more sense and like gotten us to a different like made it just made more sense for this well i think also it highlights the fact that like as people have said about this show on our podcast and otherwise is that like a lot of what's really beautiful about the show is that it's simple the simplicity of it is it's like it's pretty simple but this is like a lot of levels a lot of things happen a lot of reversals a lot of sort of subverting expectations and i think they're sort of highlighting the fact that it's like 
trying to very quickly sum up an insane thing that happened to you is funny. And he's like, it makes sense to him because he just lived it, but it's like actually an absurd thing to have happened. <laughs> so to say it all very matter of factly and then just expect someone to be like, yeah, that sounds about right. That's absurd. Yeah. And so I thought it was fun. And then to have him be like have the, the hubris of being like I'll just tell the cops that we did this insane thing to our wives and right. they'll be fine and then her being like yeah I've never seen them before like, that was oh, the yeah, pivotal sorry, moment that was the punchline yeah. Yeah. I, I forgot yeah that's what that moment served yeah. it was a setup for that yeah um yeah which was good I guess I mean I I expected it like yeah. I knew that that moment was coming right yeah also is that I feel like that is very common. I've never seen these men before in my life. Yeah. Is this the moment that that is quoted from? I mean, I think it's definitely like an idea that this, that it gets used a lot and may have been one of the first times. Um, And I did like, because like other episodes, we sort of have like, at the end of all the hijinks, like the men have sort of put the women back in their place. Mm -hmm. But this one, they gave, gave them a little bit of a victory. Yeah, which was nice, and that's satisfying because it's like that everyone was behaving badly. Yeah, yeah. so it's nice to see it pl- like fall that way this time. Yeah, I do kind of wish I didn't love the jail thing at the end. I kind of wish we had gone out on the guys being pulled away by totally. the cops. That would have been satisfying enough for me. Yeah, the jail scene is very interesting because first of all, the the first two officers are. Louis Nicoletti and Fred Aldrich those are the actors and then the final police officer is Richard Reeves so they brought in a third man (laughs) to be at the jail cell which doesn't necessarily make any sense I don't know why you couldn't have just used one of the first guy I was wondering if that I I couldn't tell if that was one of the original cops because she seems to almost perform right for the cop's eyes and I was like well he must be from the earlier scene because she's doing this elaborate like do I know them do I not know them right yeah and then she she is she's pretending like you know that she might actually be in the situation she told the cop she was in and then they talk about how handsome they are (laughs) and she kisses Ricky (laughs) through the jail cell and then Fred and Ethel they don't really kiss. They do not kiss. There's, they totally There's no dubbed touching. the... There's, there was like a moi sound, I'm pretty sure. That was... <laughs> I think they dubbed like a kissy sound over it. Like it I did not so too. It did not sound like... I feel like it's like in William Frawley's Rider that he's like, I will not touch that sack of doorknobs. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's legitimately reported that it is a fake kiss. They do not make contact. That's so funny. Oh, did it's they not like each other? No. no, they did not. Really? Behind the scenes, they did not. They couldn't stand each other. I know. Wow, that always breaks my heart because these actors spend days like it's such a close working relationship when you're on set. Yeah, it would suck to not like your co-star. Yeah, that's why I keep like thinking about like the Queer Eye guys, for example, mm-hmm. and like they, I love them so much in the way that they interact with each other. Like if I heard that like two of them did not get along or any of them, I would die. Yeah, like yeah. I just I could not bear that. Uh, and then they're just really good actors if that were the case. I know, I don't think love so. on each other all the time. I know. My new favorite show. <laughs> I, I thought, like, that last scene in the jail, I kind of wondered 
where because I think the the interesting sort of needy part of the episode when this is like obviously just like a sitcom mm. is talking about like what are ways in which like men have privileges and what are ways in which women have privileges and like what are we allowed to do or given power to do because of our gender and like that last she's holding all the power mm-hmm. by like sort of exerting her feminine wiles over the entire situation so I thought that was an interesting thing to bring in at the end where like her being like ooh well like I'm a woman who's like looking at a man and like I get to decide whether he gets out based on whether I'm interested in him and it's like kind of sexual like for yeah like, for what the, the time was so it's like very like she was kind of like dubbing him of use to her right and, oh well that kiss wasn't bad right. like she wasn't complimentary but it was like it was satisfactory sure um and then they get out. I do. I did like. I did appreciate that. Like the women held the cards, yeah. and like it was up to them if they could get out. But then as soon as the guys got out, they all laugh about the phrase "women's rights." <laughs> they just they say well, "women's rights." <laughs> they burst to laughter. That's right. What a what a joke. <laughs> a woman has a right to lo- kiss a man. What a topic that's called caused all these hijinks <laughs> among us. What a silly topic that has caused all this nonsense. Like, may we never dip into this issue again. I mean, she she did hold all the power in the final moment, and also to the point of instructing the police officer, close your mouth and open the cell. And oh, like he's that. a policeman, and he's a figure of authority, and a man, and she was in control still. So, ultimately, I think they just needed a fun button on the episode yeah. because it couldn't be like I don't know a, a downer god forbid comedy is a downer right right don't tell prestige comedy these days <laughs> yeah. every episode is so upsetting if you're not crying you're not paying attention <laughs> but so like what do we think on like the overall big picture about um, you know equal rights and about women's lib and about all like what do we think they're saying and like what do we think is like an interesting takeaway from the Mm. episode to taylor's point earlier this is an episode written in the 50s and in some ways because the like like ethel's quote that happens early on when they're discussing this like you you men tell us we have equal rights but you don't let us you don't you don't show it Mm -hmm. That could be said today, which is a bummer, but also means that someone in the 50s wrote that and we're in 2018 still, like, it's still relevant, but also it's very forward thinking to have written that line of dialogue for a character in the 50s who's a housewife who needs her husband's permission to open a bank account, Mm -hmm. who has all of these situations that are holding her back, but yet she's still able to, like, talk about it openly and say right. that. I think that the episode was pretty groundbreaking. Just the even the concept of doing an episode called Equal Rights in the right. 50s mm-hmm. about this topic is very, right. like, progressive. I think, I like, I already mentioned her once on this episode, but I just watched this documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, mm. which is amazing, RBG on CNN, CNN Films. Um, and what's just sort of interesting about feminism and and sort of the movement towards equal rights across gender is that like her entire legal career she was having to explain to to people who didn't see inequality who just like didn't recognize 
like there are just so many things that men I think don't even realize are happening and that it doesn't occur to them to look for them. So they're just like, well, like on paper, your life is the same as mine. Mm -hmm. So like having to try like to tell someone who's colorblind, like, no, this is blue. <laughs> like, or, you know what I mean? Like, that's what is happening. And this is where like, the men are like, well, I don't get it. You like can vote. Like, what right. do you want from me? It's very hard to see injustice if you don't experience it mm -hmm. firsthand. Mm -hmm. As an artist, I really admired this episode because I think it's really expert. It's really savvy to cloak an important discussion in comedy. Mm -hmm. And that's what this episode does. Mm -hmm. And that's what I personally strive to do in my work. And sometimes it feels like a big task. Like if you, I'm sure they sat down and were like, we want to tackle this issue of women's rights. And then somebody said, well, that's not funny. And then somebody said, well, let's try to make it funny. Right. Um, and like, that's not easy. Mm -hmm. And like, so I, I, that's just really impressive to me. And they did a great job for the time period. Yeah, totally agree. And it feels like this episode is just another example where you can tell that the writers, like the, there's the showrunner, Jess Oppenheimer was the head writer, and then they had two, I guess like lead writers below that. And one's a man and one's a woman. And like it does feel balanced. Like it does mm -hmm. feel like you have both point of views represented, which is super cool. I think it's a classic. Mm -hmm. It's a classic for the ages. Yeah, well, I think you guys are up to something really cool because this is a groundbreaking television show, and it's really nice, like, to revisit it. Um, I told my cousin I was going to do this podcast, and she's like, I want to watch the episode with you. And she's a filmmaker, too. Yeah. Like, it's nice to kind of honor Lucy's legacy in this way. Yeah. yeah. Spread yeah. the word. Um, is there where can our fans find you online if they want to follow you and all your pursuits? Mm, the internet. <laughs> um, I'm at Taylor S. Barrett on Instagram and Twitter. Excellent. And is there any of your work that we can keep an eye out for? People want to watch. What yeah, you're doing? please watch Work in Progress, my new TV show on Here TV. It's available on Amazon and Here TV. Um, it's really fun. It takes a lot of inspiration from Lucy. It's a farce, like it's, but it's an observational comedy. I try to like, you know, straddle that line. And one episode is about women in the workplace, um, and I dedicate it to Hillary Clinton. So, <laughs> the ultimate woman in the workplace. Yes. Um, yeah. So please. Please go see it. Yes, absolutely. Um, and Lucy fans, as always, you can follow us on our social medias on the internets mm -hmm. at We Love Lucy Podcast on Instagram, at We Love Lucy Pod on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at We Love Lucy Podcast, and you can also send any thoughts and feelings to our Gmail at uh, We Love Lucy Pod at gmail.com. Bye, Lucy's. Keep on fighting the good fight for equality. <laughs> <laughs>